Welcome to the Book Collector Podcast. Today we offer you, as the Book Collector Podcast, an article entitled The New STC, written by Arthur Freeman and published by ourselves in spring 1978. The STC, to which the word new refers, is, correctly speaking, the revised and enlarged short title catalogue of books in England, Scotland and Ireland, and of English books printed abroad, 1475 to 1640. What now follows explains the significance of the new STC. As will be realised, one of the two people who made it happen was a woman called Catherine Panzer. Known as Kitsy, she was an anglicised American who devoted her working life to bibliography. Her obituary by Nicholas Barker, will be the subject of the next Book Collector podcast and is read by Ellen Miller. The New STC by Arthur Freeman It is principally to celebrate the revised and enlarged short title catalogue of books in England, Scotland and Ireland and of English books printed abroad, 1475 to 1640, that we come tardily and by way of celebration to give some account of what new STC now is, and who made it so, especially in a year when more and more of the bibliographical confraternity almost automatically identify STC with its embryonic but Herculean sibling of 18th century scope. The attempt to describe briefly, without exception or exclusion, all such books in so long a span and so broad an area has a history and a prehistory, but what we now have, or have half of, is an achievement which not only fulfills magnanimously its original intent, but which stands as a model for contemporary or succeeding imprint bibliographies. Even the completed GKW, or Palau, or Talvart and Place, or BAL, will not, I think, outshine or overshadow the pure effectiveness of STC as it now stands. Any future revision of it, immoderate as it may seem to suggest, will more likely involve a conflation of the text now at hand with its addenda than a reordering, renumbering or reconstruing of the contents. And STC stands for the present as the best and most responsible even the most bibliographically sensitive short title index of books of any nation or period, a monument to generations of international scholars who have considered and defined these texts with the expertise of approach of a half-dozen discrete fields. Volume 2 only, of two intended, has appeared, comprising alphabetical entries I to Z and numerical entries 14045.5 14045 to 26143.0. In fact, the decimal interpolations bring the original STC entry count of about 26,500 up to over 33,000. This reversal of normal order was deemed wise by the Bibliographical Society because the course of final revision rendered the first half of the alphabet more time-consuming to complete, and specifically more demanding for the final editor, Miss Panzer, to check, check and recheck. 
She, having succeeded W.A. Jackson in that ultimately responsible office at the letter R. We anticipate Volume 1 in 1982, although information from the worksheets of the whole bibliography has been made generously available to scholars for a long time. Five years, however, is too long to wait for a preliminary testimonial. A full and sensitive review of this volume by David Rogers appeared in the TLS for the 27th of August 1976 on page 1061, in which much attention was paid to the evolution of the original project from Ames through Herbert and Dibdin, through George Bullen's catalogue of British and English printed abroad, books in the British Museum, three volumes, 1884, Charles Sale's equivalent for Cambridge University Library, the hand lists of the Marsh Library of Dublin and Emmanuel College, Cambridge, leading up to the original STC of 1926, supervised, coordinated and edited by A.W. Pollard and Gilbert Redgrave. Since the date of the invaluable first version, accretions and changes have taken forms, public and private, including addenda from various libraries, hand lists of additional locations in America, Bishop, Britain, Ramage, and Australia and New Zealand. Special publications, Allison and Rogers, indexes of printers and publishers, Morrison, dedicatees, Williams, and many others. A new Morrison is intended by the Bibliographical Society to constitute a supplement to the new STC. It has been compiled side by side with the text of the bibliography for years now. Among the essentially private revisers at STC, the late W.A. Jackson, librarian of the Houghton Library, Harvard, died 1964, was preeminent, and the interleaved copy of Pollard and Redgrave, which he began to annotate in 1926, see the illustration of a typical opening in the book collector of winter 1965, forms the essential basis of our new edition. Jackson was an indefatigable researcher after new text and new copies of old text, an enthusiast whose judgment and shrewdness have become legendary. A dozen years after his premature death, a connoisseur of provenance, condition and importance, both bibliographical and literary, a specialist in the historical circumstances of publication and the accidents of collection and preservation, and above all, one of the hardest workers in the adjacent areas of bibliography, bibliophily, and bibliology we will ever know. He had the imagination, or impatience, to want a revised STC, and the will and self-discipline to persist in a project excruciating for its small self-perpetuated errors and minor but abrasive mislocations and misdescriptions. He was meticulous enough to hold back on easy but incomplete answers. Literate enough, he read many of his textbooks, even, he told me, Raleigh's history of the world past the famous preface, and all the way through, to judge the relative importance of the many thousands of demanding problems he would have to resolve or leave open, urbane enough to pass through portals often forbidden to expert but less tactful academic colleagues, and yet so academically distinguished as to attract and encourage support from virtually all of his contemporaries in a job no one man could ever expect to do well without help. 
Jackson was the great architect of new STC, and his subcontracts were legion. But among his contemporary collaborators, F. S. Ferguson, managing director of Burnett Quaritch, limited from 1926 to 1943, died 1967, stands perhaps foremost. Miss Panzer has pointed out his special importance to the revision in a letter to the TLS repairing the omission of his name from Dr. Rogers' review. Ferguson was a technician, a close analyst of English bookmaking of the STC period, a specialist in format, typography, ornament, and the subterfuges of contemporary printers and later collectors. As a bookseller, he kept voluminous and now invaluable notes on the collation and integrity of copies of books, frequently very rare, which passed through the hands of Quaritch, and his speculations about printers, precedents of editions, variant settings, and even authorship have frequently been vindicated in later years by information far beyond his possessing. His tracings and sketches of decorative initials, borders, ornaments, and devices, generally on the verso of Quaritch waste paper, for like all the projectors of STC he was economical, remains a prime source for STC research, both from their originals at the British Library and the bound-up photostats at Harvard. Miss Panzer praises his considered and extensive observations in contradistinction to the brilliance, drive and enthusiasm of Jackson, and the pair worked wonderfully together. If Ferguson occasionally erred by omission, it was hardly serious. Only a bookseller's dismissal of a few variant or duplicate settings in the multitude of imperfect books which he carded, always carefully noting the typographical evidence, but apparently neglected to pass along to Jackson. These were infrequent, though, and have now all gone their way to new STC with his other research. Catherine Panzer studied with Jackson in 1961-2. Jackson called her, unequivocally, my most brilliant pupil, and engaged her to assist him in what she has described as the serpentine progress of the revision from 1962 forward. Upon his unexpected death in 1964, Miss Panzer assumed the entire responsibility for STC, including transferring notes by Jackson in his minuscule script onto typed sheets, revision of his own revision, revision of incompleted areas of text, and the final presentation of the book as we now possess it. In all these tasks, she brought not only the intelligence and tenacity of a highly sceptical bibliographical intelligence to bear, but also the energy and persistence of Jackson himself at his most devastating. It seems heresy to say so, but Miss Panzer may have been even a better completer than Jackson. At any rate, it is difficult to imagine anyone better than she became. The sheer weight of correspondence to and fro, the multiplicity of layered text of the book, the complexity of the transmission to print, and the difficulty of proof in all stages, all took their toll of time in production, but less than one might easily have feared. Without failing in her continuation and refinement of the scholarly processes established by Jackson and his earlier collaborators, Miss Panzer added a dimension of executive achievement rare indeed among scholars, and the physical presence of STC itself on our shelves is very much due to her final editorial administration. So, one might add, 
are many of the most imaginative solutions to problems of presentation, liturgy, etc., and Bibles to come, and many of the best jokes. See briefly below. Miss Panzer takes her books quite personally, in the most humanly appealing of manners, and her coming to grips with such editorially perverse or protean authors as Weems, Wentworth, Stanbridge, and Henry Silvertongue Smith elicits in passing some headnotes of benign exasperation which are unmistakably her own and the more delightful for that. Beyond Jackson, Ferguson and Miss Panzer, however, lie not only a cloud of contributive witnesses, but in effect the idea of a major bibliographical project in our time. For STC is basically a collaboration, the sum of work by untold scholars, collectors, dealers, librarians, and humble owners of a single book or a few variant leaves of one, to all of whom the final bibliography is self-confessedly indebted. Volume 1 will name many of them as part of the apparatus for the whole set, and they will range from the late John Crow, who rarely travelled without his own interleaved STC, marked up for decades, in its indestructible, highly practical, and wholly ungainly binding by Sidney Cockerell, to Ruth Mortimer, whose familiarity with Jackson's tiny holograph fated her to spend Sunday mornings checking Miss Panzer's preliminary transcriptions. Many will be unknown or unmentioned. Through the passage of time and memory which renders contributors to such a work part only of a sympathetic environmental reservoir, STC has benefited from the process of accretion and contribution, by luck or by cunning, far more than most similar bibliographical projects, incomparably more, for example, than the heroic one-man show of Wing, which is, in its chosen terms, an even more demanding short title list, but never so much enriched by spontaneous external corroboration or correction. If there is a special lesson in the particular excellence of the new STC, it is not only one of the perseverance and dedication of the main editors, but of the result to be achieved by a project lovingly followed by all whom it concerns. Indeed, it would be difficult to imagine a reviewer competent to assess STC who could find much in it to complain about. Any but the most recent discovery of a mission, for example, which he had to hand, would be an obvious reflection upon himself for his failure to have communicated it earlier. The differences between new STC and its antecedent are clear enough to those working with both, but do bear signalling, for the official explanation of intent is lodged in the forthcoming first volume. There are, of course, many new entries, and not a few excisions of duplicate entries and ghosts, although destroyed books have not, as in New Wing, Volume 1, been eliminated. New numbers have been assigned to old entries, but cross-references, occasionally, frustratingly for the moment, to a Volume 1 location, are provided, and invariably the present organisation seems wiser. There are new groupings of clearly interdependent texts, indulgences, newsbooks, London, etc., and categories altogether new, e.g. bookplates, also in Volume 1, but indicated for Volume 2 in the addenda. There are more locations of copies, where the STC of 1926 strove for three in Britain and two in America, or Lord Harmsworth's copy, 
now probably Folgers with the Huntington one, so that LOC, HH, HN became synonymous with common. New STC aims at five in UK and five in America, with a plus sign to indicate extras. The draft sheets at Harvard are always preserve a sixth copy on either side of the Atlantic when possible, and indeed the notes published in New STC frequently allude to additional information in the working papers of STC, which a particular task may require. Three times as many codes of citation for copy location are employed by New STC than by 1926, and there are many other locations noted singly in the apparatus, in all perhaps 500. Of course, there are reversals of edition priorities, and even discoveries of hitherto unnoted first editions as important as John Owen's epigrams and Robert Southerwell's St. Peter's Complaint, with a host of other adjustments of date, auspices, and probable authorship. Yet the most obvious change in the new format and style of STC is its very versatility. Liturgies, for example now involves three full pages of collational charts, which are simply necessary to distinguish the entries which follow. Monographs and journal articles, which explain complex bibliographical relationships, are cited as a kind of bonus, because the work as a whole does not promise to do so. And interrelationships between books are also briefly noted and always a help. Thus, for 25297, we are referred to Whateley's revocation of his opinion that adultery and desertion are grounds for divorce in CSPD, 4th of May, 1621, and told that nevertheless his reissued text, 25298, is unaltered, but with an advertisement, FF3, that his argument was erroneous. And scores of footnotes resemble those to 25357, Whitaker's Ad Nicolae Sandrae Demonstrationes Quadriginta, 1583, which prints and answers Sanders. Remarks in the preface against 2884 are answered in 20632. See also 25635.3. And there are even cautions, tersely offered against 18th century reprints, 22895, 24954, and general guides in headnotes to the further study of especially knotty authors or complexes of texts. That these vary in style and immediacy of placement is evidence above all of the union of formal entry consistency with versatility of apparatus, i.e. when an explanation is useful or necessary. Even if a complete sentence must obtrude, it is given, and given in words, not symbols. Jackson said of his own bibliography of T.F. Dibdin that full Bowersian bibliographical formulae for the collation of each book might produce a bibliography longer than one of Dibdin's own behemoths, and he chose the then unfashionable technique of describing some of them in words. I certainly do not mean to pick on Wing, which is a project exploratory in the very way that STC is developmental or colonial, but the ironclad consistency of description there chosen results in such anomalies as seven editions of the first Indian Bible, 1663, being literally identical. They are wing, new and old, 
B274854, all Evans 72, issues discriminated by Church, but Church is not cited. STC never seems to hedge itself in by its own rules. When in trouble, like an early printer shifting fonts or folding over an extra last leaf, it simply improvises, and we are told what we need to know. Dr. Johnson relieved some of his own tedium of lexicography by a joke now and then. And although his dictionary is hardly limited to patron, patriotism, oats and network, we treasure these moments. We may treasure as well in STC the note to Ezekiel Woodward, 25971, and I quote, Because of the inscrutability of Woodward's prose, and the apparent vacillation of his purpose, copies of this and the following show disheartening variety, or the plaintive provenance of Michael Sparks' Crumbs of Comfort, 9th edition, and unique 2301.7, purchased by Hoffman and Freeman for Weissman, but dot 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 lost in the mail. The particularly troublesome Trevoris editions of Whittington touch us also, and the drudgery of long-suffering Paul Morgan with Oxford copies of Speed and others, or the systematic listing of John Weems's works, and I quote again, foiled by the insuperable complications surviving copies present, will always warm us towards the toilers in these vineyards, though future servants of the past solve everything M by N. And when, and if they do, I think it is safe to suppose that new STC will have been their bibliographical matrix and will no more fade from our grateful recollection than will Ames, Herbert, Sale, Madame, Pollard and Redgrave and all the many links of the continuing chain. It remains to say that the Bibliographical Society and the Oxford University Press deserve fullest congratulations both for the splendid construction of the volume and for keeping its price extraordinarily modest. The interleaved version... Shades of 1926, is especially a bargain at £5 over the regular one. Grants towards the project, now into its second half century, will be credited with the appearance of Volume 1, but the large share of cost has always been that of the Bibliographical Society in keeping with its announced ambition to maintain the bibliography of British books at the highest of world standards. SDC cannot pause until 1982 and more, and indeed it is hoped will remain a centre for research and revision long after the publication of both volumes and printers and publishers index, but all concerned deserve now a bumper of present praise, another in thanks for the past, and however many more will not stall it, in earnest of continuance and completion. That was the new STC, written by Arthur Freeman, published in The Book Collector in spring 1978 and read by James Fleming. Tune in next week for another Book Collector podcast and in the meantime, visit thebookcollector.co.uk to read online articles, view booksellers' catalogues and subscribe to our journal. It's less than the price of a Netflix subscription and far more valuable. Receive four beautiful quarterly issues plus get access to our entire digital archive. 70 years of erudite articles, illustrations, reviews, news, obituaries, auction reports and more.
everything you could want to know about book collecting. Whether you're researching, learning, or just browsing for fun, it's the place to go. Visit thebookcollector.co.uk today.